Hey everyone, quick, quick question for you. How do you build a business that thrives during good times and during the tough times? Is there a strategy that can set your company apart, that can differentiate you no matter what curveballs the world, this crazy world we live in throws your way? Well, there is, right? Turning customers into repeat customers and turning repeat customers into loyal customers. According to our guest today, Shep, Hyken is on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, he's a customer service and experience expert. He's also a New York Times bestselling author and a Hall of Fame speaker. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Shep. This is the Not Your Average Joe Show, where each week we bring you sales, marketing, and mindset strategies you need to get to your next level. And now, here's your host, international business mentor, Joe Soto. I like the music. Ship I'm getting into it. Welcome. I'm getting into it. Don't stop. <laughs> Keep it going. I know we should have a little music going on in the background during the entire show. That would differentiate us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Joe. It's great to be here. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on here. You've kind of been on my bucket list of guests to have on here. Uh, I watched a podcast or listened to a podcast that you were on uh, just a few weeks ago, really. And I thought, you know what? He's got a new book coming out. The world should know about it. Um, I got an advanced copy, uh, all truth be told, and had a chance to read it. It's called I'll Be Back, which I love. Yes. I love your book trailer on the website, by the way. So <laughs> there it is. There you go. There it is, I know man. I don't quite look like Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator, but, hey, uh, hey, you know. It's okay. So um, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's, it's, uh, they can go and watch the book trailer on I'll Be Back. It's worth doing just because it's funny. If you want to smile. It's funny. I mean, it's not a humor, humor funny, but it's it'll make you smile. Guaranteed. I if love not, that. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's I want to really dive into the customer loyalty secrets and strategies that you share. You have a lot of tools, tactics, strategies that you unveil in here. Uh, the, the, there was a, there was more packed into this book than I had expected, meaning uh, you really put like a whole course into the book. Like it's like a workshop on customer loyalty and customer service. And here's the cool thing about it. When I was reading through it, and I'm always asking myself, how do I apply some of this? It really can apply to just about any type of business, whether you're a, you know, a small town retail store, uh, or local barber, like the fill the barber story in, in the book, which we'll talk about, or it's, it's uh, relevant if you're a fortune 100 company, and you have 5000 customers on your customer list. So yeah, B2B, B2C applies to everybody. And the other thing, I appreciate that you say I packed a lot in. My goal is no matter what page you open up to, you're going to go, huh, that's interesting. And I want to, there, there's a lot of content. In, and that's yeah. pretty much the way it is with all of my books. But um, this this was fun to do. Yeah. Okay, great. So I have, there's a lot of questions I have. I told you, be prepared. We're going to rapid fire through this. Is that, is that fair? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. So the first, first question is a lot of big ideas in the book. Uh, and I, I don't rely on memory. I write my notes. Out. I, I'm going to have to rely. I bet you know more about, I saw how many pla places you marked, you know more about that book than I do right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was uh, this, this side note. So, uh, uh, you know, you and I are, you and I are now new acquaintances, new friends. And I, I have nine children, seven in the home that are under the wow. age of 17. And every evening, if I can, I'll help out with bath time. If I'm not at football practice. I'll help out with bath time for the little guys. So the three-year-old, the six-year-old, and uh, I'm literally sitting on the sink last night and my son goes, what are you doing, dad? And I said, I, I'm, I'm reading the last chapter, which I had left in uh, Shep's book. 
I said, and finishing up my questions for my interview. And uh, he says, who are you interviewing? And I said, well, the author of the book. And he's trying to put it together. He's six, right? Uh, but yeah, doing it, I was doing, I'm working on during bath time for you, Shep. Okay. So here's, here's the first. <laughs> the first kid first. Record knows who I am. That's this is right. amazing. That's right. He's going <laughs> in the first I know Shep. I <laughs> so, uh, okay. I put one big idea in the book. There are many. Is that you say, this is my first like, oh, that's interesting moment. You say that the most important measurement in business is not necessarily sales numbers, revenue, profit, what? Right? Or expenses. So you say, while these are still important, uh, there's one measurement everyone should be concerned with. What is that? Right. And also people are looking at like, are they happy? Customer feedback, CSAT, net promoter score. Yeah. Uh, but the, the one thing they want to be looking at is behavior because behavior is an indication of all of the measurements that you've looked at. It indicates whether customers are happy, whether you're making your sales, whether you're doing your revenue. And what I mean by that, and I'll be real quick to this, is that if you can imagine, by the way, this idea came to me as I was talking to the CEO of a company that franchises hair salons. I was asked to be the main speaker at a hair salon conference. I couldn't even do, uh, look at this, they get the bald guy to, to do, uh, talk to salon managers and owners. And uh, I couldn't even do my market research. But what he said is we love to know we did a great job. We love to know what our sales are, but that's looking in the rear view mirror. What we want to do is look at what's happening now and in the future. And that is the behavior of the customer. Because we know certain types of customers, and there's different types that they have. Some may come back once a month, once every six weeks, whatever. Uh, what they want to do is they want to get that right customer into the right cadence. And the way they know it's working is by watching the behavior. Behavior indicates so much. So something new to look at, customer behavior. Did they come back? Did they, they come back? And are they coming back again and again? And again, and again. That's the whole book. That's why we call the book. I'll be back. Yes. <laughs> How to get your customers to come back again and again. I'm excited about it. And this I'm excited book, that you read so much. Well, this book comes out September 21st. For those people watching before September 21st, if you're listening to the podcast after that, you're already behind. Better hurry and get the book. But and I'll tell you, I don't recommend a ton of books unless I've read them and I see application in my own business life or in the people that uh, are in my audience. And this is one that's relevant for everyone in business. And not just business owners or entrepreneurs, but people who also work in businesses who have a contributing uh, impact to that business's success, and they want to improve upon that. You um, let's let's a couple of things. So one, you say customer loyalty can translate into a competitive advantage. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Because I don't think people look at customer loyalty as as competitive advantage, nor do they actually think of it as, as you used to say in the book, how it, it actually starts the moment you sell the customer. Right. Well, well you want, ultimately, you'd like to have a loyal customer. They come back again and again. They make you, um, I guess, bulletproof. No, I shouldn't say bulletproof. That's a the big word. That's that's a big uh, expectation. But it will definitely make price less relevant. It will help insulate you from competitive issues, because if you make a mistake or a competitor comes in town, your loyal customers will give you the opportunity to meet, match, fix whatever happens. So you want to focus on loyalty. And one of the things we also talk about in the book is that the way to start that process is to get the customer to become a repeat customer. Now, the loyalty question, which I refer to uh, in a number of my books, is simply this. What am I doing right now to make sure the customer comes back tomorrow or the next time they do business with me or need whatever it is that we sell? And 
that's the start because it's the next time, not all the entire world or of a lifetime of a customer. It's just the next time. And the next time means every time if you do it right. I love that. And it's not, um, you say satisfaction is not, is, is not fine. <laughs> no, satisfaction is not fine. Yeah, satisfaction is a rating and satisfactory is to, you know, how was your meal? No, it was satisfactory. What does that mean? It right. doesn't mean it was good or great. So if you look at satisfactory is average, that's, you know, just simply in the middle where one is bad on a scale of one to five, five is amazing. Three would be okay. Average satisfactory. Fine. Fine is not fine. I refer to fine as the F-bomb of customer experience. Uh, I love fine it. is a four-letter word. It starts with F. Every letter means something. F is the fake smile. It's fine. It's not really fine. It's a fake <laughs> smile. I is insincere <laughs> feedback, which is what that fake smile is. N means I'm never going to come back. And E is it's emotionless because you've done nothing to get me excited. You're basically dead to me as far as business goes. So when somebody says, how is everything? It's fine. Now, if they add the word like, you know, an adjective in front of it, a mighty fine, then you're okay. But otherwise, fine is not fine. Joe, you've got seven kids. You have a wife. If you see your wife seems to be upset. If you say, honey, is everything okay? If she says everything's fine, fine what does that really mean? Not Joe? good. Something's not good at on. all. No, not a good at all. Something's going on. Yeah, um, I love your uh, your your uh, process of creating customer loyalty in the book, but you share a story that really resonated on multiple levels. I actually have a personal story uh, very much like this. I shared on my uh, couple, uh, couple of my, my social media sites today, uh, the picture of a barber and the, the, the picture on LinkedIn, the picture on Facebook is the, the, the barber younger with the, with the child in the barber chair and then the barber much older, same barber, with the now grown up version of that child in his barber chair. But you actually tell a story called Phil the Barber. Uh, I think that was the name Phil. I, and, you're, uh, you're gonna, yeah, it's it's and, Phil the Barber. Yeah. Yeah. And in the book, you, 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 uh, you elaborate on how he has a process for keeping people satisfied. Like, he, you know, and he even had a word, word satisfied. Card. That's yeah. the word satisfactory. Remember, we just talked about that. Yeah. It's not really that good, is it? No. And, and that, you know, he had what most people would mistakenly interpret as a customer loyalty program, which is like one of those punch cards, mm -hmm. right? You know, 10 punches and you can come back and get an 11th haircut free or something. But he was missing that extra X factor that would take him from having just a few repeat customers to having loyalty customers who would go out of their way, no matter what, to, to, uh, to be serviced and get a haircut there. Now, I recently, I live uh, Northern Virginia with the border between here and West Virginia. And during the thick of COVID, uh, when things were, well, I should say during towards the end of the thick of COVID in 2020, if there was ever really a time, things were kind of opening up more in West, West Virginia than they were in Virginia. So I would drive out of my way to go to West Virginia to get my haircut. Uh, you know, I won't get into dive into all, all the different reasons why, but it just was, it was, uh, I wanted to go to this particular barber and you know, the state was a little more open. Let's put it that way. And so he, he took it to a whole nother level though. He like started asking me about my family, my kids. He really dove into making things personal, which is one of your big points in the book. And now I just learned, I went and I actually drive out of my way about an extra 20 minutes. I can go get my haircut five minutes from here, but I drive 20 minutes. And he said, I'm going to be taking over my father's uh, barber, which is now another 20 minutes. It's like 40 mm -hmm. minutes from me. 
And I'm really contemplating driving that 40 minutes because I don't want to switch barbers. Not because yeah. it cuts my hair different or better than anybody else, but because the experience I'm loyal to and I, li I really like him. And we'll talk about being nice later. That was one of my favorite chapters. But uh, let's talk about. Uh, so here's the here's the question. I got there's you, like you, three big. I know going one on of the right big now. things in that is, <laughs> is how do people create a process that's better than fine? That makes them go, I'm loyal and I want to come back again and again. Right. So and then, by the way, uh, I also want to talk about that punch card that you mentioned. That is people marketing. call that a loyalty program. It's not yeah. a loyalty program. It's a marketing program. It's really a discount program. The more you buy, you get something free at the end. And that means that you, you if you look at the average of what it costs, it's, it's a discount. So uh, and and the barber that you're referring to is the perfect example of what the difference between repeat business and loyal businesses, because let's say that you used to go get your hair cut at a place simply because it was close. And a new barber shop shows up, um, I don't know, half a mile closer or a mile closer. You go, wow, that's closer. I'm going to go there now. Yet that other barber thought, what happened to my loyal customer? You weren't loyal to the barber. You are loyal to the location. Okay. Mm, so what you want to become is a business that company or that companies that customers are loyal to, not a location, not just a price. Uh, what you want is them to love the experience and love the way you do business so much that they would hopefully not go anywhere else or at least really think hard. You know, is that you're already driving an extra 20 minutes is another extra 20 minutes worth it. And if you're you know, if you've built and this person did a great job, they know who you are. They built the relationship. Uh, when we prior to jumping on this show, you talked about one of your mentors being Harvey McKay. Yeah. Harvey McKay has the McKay 66. You're yeah. familiar with this, yes? Yeah, of course. Right. For those that aren't, it's 66 questions to know about your customer. Now, some of those questions are business related. He was in the printing business, so he had information about them. But many of them were, tell me about your kids. What are their names? What's your favorite pet? You know, what was, you know, what, where did you grow up? What's your favorite food? What's your favorite sport? All types of, of uh, conversations that you would have only if you had a relationship. And the more you converse at that level, he had this questionnaire. He said, if I had the answers to all of these questions about my customers, they're not going to leave me. There's this relationship there. And if I make a mistake, they'll give me a second chance. So this is really powerful information uh, that you need to have about your customers at some level and a great concept as well. So what was the original question? <laughs> well, that's that's an important one. Distinguishing a difference between a marketing program and a loyalty mm -hmm. program yep. that has a lot more personalization built into it and great tie-in with the McKay 66 as an example of a tool, but also process, right? So the, bar mm, the yes. barber, the reason the barber is an example, but this really works if you're a consultant serving clients, same thing. You probably have a process for onboarding a client, uh, servicing that client, how often you touch that client, have meetings with that client, but that's not enough. They, it, they can get that from any agency, any type of consultant, any type of coach, right? So what, what does a professional service firm or a business in general do to, to uh, implement personalization into their process? Sure. So we have, a, and by the way, I'm going to uh, talk about something that I know that many of your clients have courses, online courses, yes? Yes. And so we have our version of an online course as well. It's our customer service course. And it's mainly a B2B sale. A few individuals buy it every month, but mostly right. it's companies that need 
10 licenses, 500 licenses, you know, a thousand licenses uh, to put their people through customer service. So our main contact, we could simply set them up and we do a great job of selling them. We let them have demos. We They get access to me or one of my colleagues to talk to. We sign them up. We got a great onboarding process. We get them started. And then a year later, we hope they renew. But what happens between the onboarding and the renewal? Well, we could wait for them to call us or we can make part of our process reaching out to them. And we tell them this in advance. We say, so you know, what's going to happen is we're going to make sure that you're starting. We can track, measure, and monitor the progress you're making and whether or not you're you're implementing and using the course with your, your employees. So what we're going to do is we're going to watch this. As soon as we onboard you properly and do the training on how to do this right, we're going to watch. So you're going to hear from us within 30 days because we're going to notice, are, is it working? Are you using it? And we're going to talk to you. Another 30 days later, we're checking in again. Now, at that point, you think, come on, Shep, I know it. You probably do. But you know what? That's not going to stop us from checking in with you. We're going to check in with you every two months just to make sure. And by the way, you can call us in between. But we want to make sure you're happy. We're going to know when we call you whether you're using the product or not. And by the way, in that business, if they're not using the system or using the program, they're not going to renew at the end of a year. Our goal is to let them know we are there for them all the time. You could call it part of the sales process, but it's not. It's really part of the relationship process. I was appalled at ourselves, my company, when one day I asked, why didn't this person renew? And sheepishly, the person who was involved with this looked down and said, somehow or another, they slipped through the cracks. And when I called to get the renewal, all they said is, yeah, now you're calling. You know, Mm. I was so felt so bad. I immediately called. And what I said is, first of all, I apologize. I told her what her system or her process typically was. And then I said, I want you to experience what that's like. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to extend your license at no charge for you to get the next few months to be able to connect with us. And let's make this thing work for you. And at that point, it doesn't, it doesn't. But I want you to know we, we dropped the ball on our end. And we want to make sure you get the experience you deserve. The client loves us. So that's what has to happen. Uh, that kind of, that kind of, uh, bridges into my next question, which was, if, how do um, you reapproach old cl- customers who might have been happy at the time, but they're just now learning this from you? So now it's like, well, I probably should figure out how to go back to them and get them to be at least repeat or, mm-hmm. or loyal. How do you reapproach old customers like in your database? Like what do you, sure. sometimes yeah. that's, the, that's the people who know you best. And mm-hmm. I've done this. And I've recently uh, taken on a couple of new clients that were my clients like in 2012. And, and I'm like, and all I'm doing is kicking myself that I wasn't in touch sooner. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And we, I, in fact, one of them even said, I can't believe I wasn't in touch with you sooner. I, we both kind of said the same thing. I'm like, time just flies and goes by, but how do you reapproach them? What would you, your suggestion be? So, so there's two things. I mean, I looked at what we did when in the deep, deepest, darkest, slowest parts of our business last year in the middle of COVID, that's what we did. We went back and said, let's go back 10 years. Let's get a list of every client we've ever worked for. Who are we still talking to? I was I was surprised at the number of clients we didn't. Now, recognize a lot of my clients hire me for one right. big event. It's a speech. I'm their keynote speaker. They're probably not going to hire me the very next year or the year after. But what we have is a good CRM. It allows us to stay in touch on a regular basis. Every client that's ever worked with us or anybody that we consider a high level lead gets called at least once a year. Now, by the way, this is my process. Doesn't necessarily mean it works for you. You might say once a year, it should be once a month. 
Well, it just depends on what you sell and how you do it. All right. Yeah. But regardless, it was real easy for me to say to somebody, hey, it's Shep. And it's been several years since we've talked. I don't know how that happens. Time flies. We go off in different directions. But man, I just want to let you know I'm thinking about you. Uh, obviously, we have a whole lot of time right now in our hands. And I thought it would be fun to reach out to old clients, see how they're doing, see what they're up to. Maybe there's a chance for us to work together again. Maybe not. It doesn't matter. I'm more interested in just saying hello if you've got a moment. And boom, that's how it works. It's uh, you've got to be honest about it. If you come across like trying to say, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I actually felt even though it was 100 percent true, I just sent an email to an old client that I hadn't talked to in a few years. Uh, I know that he moved from St. Louis out to Chicago. I live in St. Louis, Missouri, and his building of his headquarters is still here in St. Louis. Just yesterday, I drove out past it. I said, I need to reach out to him. So I put in here, I was driving out to Chesterfield and I saw your building and I thought of you and I thought, that's going to sound so ingenuous, but it is truly genuine. And it's exactly what happened. And I said, you're in Chicago now, so I can't even take you to lunch, but I'd love to just catch up. So that's awesome. That, yeah, you've got to do it. You've Great got to have a system in place to allow, to remind you uh, to make these types of calls. Yeah. So having a system, but also adopting that type of languaging, that's, that was really insightful. If somebody's watching this or listening to this, rewinding that and kind of transcribing Shep and, and then putting, learning how to put that in your own words. So it comes across natural. That was really good uh, script. And, and it comes natural for you, of course. Well, thank you. I don't uh, know. It's try, try not to do too many scripts. To, again, ingenuous. <laughs> I, I have a couple of uh, favorite chapters in your book. I think, and the only, and it's one, the only one I didn't take note on, which was, uh, I think you called it the shortest speech in the world. Yep. But, but you, you said, be nice. That was, that's be that's nice. Out. Yes. Yeah. So. You gave an example of how you were, you were, you went on stage and, and only had two minutes and you had to like, how do you, what, what, what can you say about customer loyalty and experience yeah. in two minutes? You, you said, be nice. You dropped the mic and kind of basically just walked off the stage. But that, there was a, there's, there's, a, a there's more to the story I than know, that. I, but, I'm, I know, but there was yeah. a, there was a book called uh, crush it that uh, Gary uh, Vaynerchuk. Gary V. Yep. Love that book. And, and in that book, uh, my favorite chapter was only two words and he's, or one word. He says, it's just one word. It was called care. <laughs> you know, it's just, that's it. Just care more. And that made me think when you said be nice and how sometimes that's just, that's the starting point. How, how can, you know, people are, you know, it's being nice sometimes will stand out as exceptional in certain business and industries. Well, first of all, it's foundational to the whole idea of creating an experience. You want an experience that people will enjoy. Even if you're selling missiles to the military, they want to at least enjoy the process. Um, so here's, here's the thing about being nice. Uh, you can have a restaurant and deliver the best food in the world or, you know, bring up. But if the server is just mean and crabby and crusty, they're not, you know, customers not coming back. So in that particular speech, yes, I was given 40 minutes and told I had to end by a certain time. And the three speakers ahead of me kept going longer and longer. And I had two minutes left. And the client said, I guess you're not going on. I said, yes, I am. I don't want to let these people down. So I walked out and I said, I know I only have two minutes. We're going to end on time. I have a real quick idea and I'm going to share it with you. So just pretend I've just been announced. Uh, you gave me a pause and here I am at the center stage. Here's the speech. Are you ready? Be nice. <laughs> and then I started to walk off and I stopped. And I said, you know, I still have about a minute or so left. 
Let me explain that being nice sounds like such common sense, and it is, but it's also foundational to everything we do. And I said, you know, what the, what the client did, I said, no matter how good your product is, if they call your salespeople, your customer support people, they interact with anybody, if that, those people aren't at least friendly, genuinely friendly, guess what happens? The question mark, do I want to do business with them again? If there's an opportunity to do business with someone else, am I going to take it? You never want that question to come into your customers' minds simply because you weren't nice. We did a survey over a thousand people uh, in North America uh, based on the U.S. Census. So it's a really cross section of, of, of the, where we live. And we asked, what are the most important things and, uh, when it comes to great customer service and experience? And number one was they expected somebody to be knowledgeable. Yeah. Number two was, and it was right there, friendly. And uh, if you ask the three words, uh, I asked them also give us three words that you think of when you think of customer service and friendly and nice were, were in those three words. So there you go. It's very important. And whether it sounds soft or not, doesn't matter. It's important. Yeah. And something to be conscious of and not take for granted. I, I remember Tom Peter saying in, uh, years ago in one of his books, he said, train for uh, hire for attitude, train for skill. Yep. And I would say in this, this, in this regard, it's higher for nice. Yeah, which is part, I would say uh, nice is partially an attitude. Now, in yeah. some businesses, skills are important. I had a yeah. client in the healthcare industry and they had a hospital and they couldn't find nurses that would fit in with the culture of the, the, uh, the hospital, which was a very genuine, caring, you know, very nice culture. And uh, they would, they shut down a portion of the hospital, even though they could hire nurses. They didn't, they weren't able to hire nurses with the right attitude. They had the skills, but not the attitude. You are hiring for attitude. It's nice sometimes. And sometimes they have to have skills. Um, and when, in one of my books, The Amazement Revolution, I interviewed um, um, Jim Bush, who at the time was the senior VP worldwide of customer service for American Express. And he said, if I have a choice between hiring somebody that has background in customer support that knows how to type out and look at the screens, or I have the chance to hire somebody that worked the front desk of a hotel for the last three years, I'm taking the person working at the hotel. It's a hospitality mentality is what he was looking for. I love for. it. I love the hospitality mentality. I was a partner in a hospitality group for a while uh, up in uh, uh, Southern Minnesota. And uh, or I say Southern, but really outside of Minneapolis. And, and I learned a lot about how important ICE is on the front lines. Uh, yep. That's for sure. You you have a um, one of my favorite concepts in the book is your what you call the friction reduction cycle, and the chapter is on reducing friction. Talk to us a little bit about ways that people can simplify their business in a way that reduces friction in the relationship part mm -hmm. of dealing with customers. Well, first and foremost, we want to map out what typical customer journeys are, and I know journey mapping may be an exercise you have or have not done. But by looking at that journey through the customer's eyes and how they interact with us, we should start to look at every interaction point that they have with us and say, is that as good as it can be? Is it as nice or friendly as it could be? Is there an easier way to do it? And that's what we're trying to do with this particular chapter and concept is to eliminate friction. I wrote an entire book about convenience, which is all about eliminating friction. But in this particular case, what I saw happen is at the time that was like a, a breakthrough concept. Well, now it's kind of an expectation. If you're not convenient, if you're not easy, if it's hard to do business with you, 
People are going to go elsewhere because they just want to have an easy experience. By the way, when you combine friendly service with a great experience, that's also easy. You're almost bulletproofing yourself from the competition. Why would somebody want to go anywhere else to do business? Yeah, this is where like phone trees create a lot of friction. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. like, just give me a live person. We can solve right. this in 30 seconds. Representative, representative, rep- <laughs> you know, agent, agents. <laughs> yes. Um, you are, you say you can automate the process, but you can't automate a relationship. I, I love that. Um, I used that when I had read that part of the book uh, and used it just a few days ago. And how I applied it, just so, Chef, you can hear how I applied it and how people listening can apply that. Because I'm in a uh, professional services business and I create in, you know, courses and programs for my students and I have a membership program. But I also have a segment of my email list of people who have either joined my list through some of the free trainings I've offered or perhaps are past customers. And I'm like, you know, um, I, I haven't stayed in touch very well with them. So I did what I call a re-engagement email. And I sent an email out to that particular segment. And I basically just said, how's it going? I haven't been in touch, touch in a while. Would love to hear what your biggest win this last year in your business was and what your biggest challenge is. Reply and let me know, Joe. I didn't have any links to anything. I didn't have any PS. You can subscribe to my podcast here. Or by the way, I got a new free training coming out. It just was a simple email. Now, it's an email they can unsubscribe, but it was an email from me to them. And I had a lot of people. Now, here's the problem when you get a lot of replies. What has to happen? You've got to respond. You've got to respond. You've got to respond. So literally, like the last three days, I have been nonstop, every time I've kind of got some free moments, responding to those emails. Um, and it's in a little quick sentences. And what I found is I can't really respond offering advice, which some of these people are asking advice, because can't really give good advice when you don't have very much information gathered. So I'm responding and asking for more information. So I'm getting even more replies. But it's okay because I'm, I'm kind of re-engaging with people and firing them back up. A couple of people I think I re-inspired to kind of get back on the saddle again with some stuff. And I know that, you know, in the long run, stuff will all come back around for me. But I want to re-engage this list. That's how I applied that principle. And maybe that isn't what you intended. No, that's exactly it. Uh, if, 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 you know, so many companies today use AI fueled chatbots. What that means is the chat that you are talking, you think you're talking to a person, you're actually talking to the computer. One of the ways you could recognize this by the is if the answer comes back faster than they can type. (laughs) Okay. So yes, there's actually uh, AI chatbots that now stall for like eight seconds so that you think that, well, maybe somebody's actually typing it out. But here's the point. You can't automate that relationship. You can't digitize the relationship. There is going to be a point in time where the customer says, I want to talk to a human being. And at that point, there has to be a seamlessly uh, easy way, frictionless way in to talking to that person. So you may have sent out a mass email, which is automation or digitization of a marketing process. But when they came back, you took it personal and you said, hey, for me to be able to help you, I need more information. What I might have done at that point is say, if you're willing to give me more information, I'd love to look it over. I'll then send you a link to my calendar and I might give them a 10 minute consult at no charge. I've got your questions. I've got your concern. Let's dive right into it. Let's talk. So that might be one way of taking that to a whole nother level. So important that, you know, even on social media, I, I spend a good chunk of time of my day 
well, you would think that I'm doing all this posting. No, I'm doing a lot of writing. I have a team that posts. However, every single comment that is made is my comment because at the, I guess twice a day I get a list and sometimes it's LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, all of these different places. And here's the comment I need, or here's their comment. I comment back. It's all on a list. I send it back over to my assistant and she actually makes sure that goes, that goes in the right places. If I can save myself time, that's not being, um, you know, that's not automating the relationship. That's, being smart. that's a good process, right? Yeah. However, being genuine and making it my comments, that's, that's uh, I think your your people will see through you very quickly if you don't, and it'll yeah. just destroy your reputation. Yeah, not, not only that, I, I had uh, queued up a follow-up email to that same segment of the group that I paused because I hadn't gotten to everybody who responded to the first one. Yeah, I'm be like, careful what you ask for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's okay because I, I, I uh, genuinely feel like I needed to go back and revisit those relationships. And if there's a way I can be of service, then I'll do it. If I can help them, if, if getting into one of my other programs makes sense for them, I'd have to, I'm going to recommend it. But only after I, if I know that it would make sense. Otherwise, I'll just give them advice and they'll be on their way. The, the residual impact of that, I think, would be really, really great. And I appreciate you prompting it in, in the book, along with a lot of other things. The book covers all kinds of strategies that will differentiate you from your clients. So if you haven't uh, already, you can pre-order the copy. What do they get when they go to feedback.com? What do they get? Prior to September 21, uh, it, which is when the book comes out, uh, you will get the, uh, of course, you'll pay uh, if you buy it through our website. Um, and you're in the U.S., uh, it's just flat $24.95. If you're out of the country, we have to charge for additional shipping. But what you get immediately is the ebook, uh, downloadable, free on uh, any, whether it's a Kindle, uh, a Nook, uh, or you just need a, a regular PDF for your computer. So you get that immediately. You don't have to wait for the book to actually come out for your customers to start saying, I'll be back. Oh, great. That's great. And you've got... Uh... I had the page up here. Let me see if I can pull it up. Actually, there it is. Oh, there it is. There's Look at the that. Wow. I wow. now wasn't really. So there's a little, he's got a little book trailer on here. You got to go and watch. So if you guys there are, it is. Here, and it's rated a for amazing. Yeah. Right. Rated a for amazing, which is, Hey, by uh, the way, scroll down just a little bit further. So there is, I think it, this is the video that has it. Oh, this may be a general overview of the book, but there's some videos. Uh, if you dig into the website a little bit, um, my favorite chapter is chapter 15, which is the very last chapter, which I know you read last night when you were on bath duty with your uh, with your son. <laughs> Where the rubber reached the road, right? Right. And and there's a six step process that we take everyone through. And to me, this is so important. It's, you know, how do you create that? I'll be back uh, strategy. And it's number one. Why would someone do business with you at all? And yeah. you need to be blatantly honest. And you want it to say, I do something different than somebody else does. What is that different thing? And if you don't have it, you better figure it out. Number two, why would somebody do business with them, the competitor, instead of you? And if they're doing something that you're not, number three is to keep pace. Not to just simply copy it, but adapt it and make it yours if you can. Step four is to look outside of your industry. And this is what I love. You don't just want to be best in your industry. You want to be best in class if you can be seen that way. So look at your favorite companies to do business with. And it could be if you're in the B2B world, maybe you've got a manufacturer and there's an inside sales rep that you love. 
Maybe you just love Amazon or Target or one of the big brands, or maybe it's the local shoe store down the street where they always recognize you when you come in and make you feel like you're at home. Anyway, uh, why do you love doing business with these companies? And number five is to say, okay, since I love doing business because of these reasons, can we do any of that in our business? And you really need to sometimes read between the lines to see what it is that companies are doing that you like. Uh, like, for example, when Amazon sends out a notice that you've orders, your order's been placed, your order's been shipped, your order's been received, that's nice to know. But really, the uh, behind the scenes or, or what's the between the lines uh, reading is that, hey, they're communicating with me and they're giving me information, which makes me feel I'm in control of whatever this uh, transaction is. And that's what that's what Amazon does so well. And it's not yeah. just the email to let you know things. No, yeah. the email to give you a sense of control. So, yeah, and so, sometimes they email you a picture of living, yeah, leaving, I love that. leaving the package on your doorstep. Yeah, which is great. So we know it was there. So if it's not there, you know, somebody stole it. No, yeah. right. <laughs> but uh, finally, uh, number six is, you know, once you've done all these first five and said, you know, in number five, you know, can you implement any of these? And if you do, number six is to go back and say, now that I've gone through this process, Maybe I've changed some things. I'm going to answer that first question again. Why should someone do business with me? I love it. And I, I'm not going to go into this because we're running out of time, but I also love your, um, you call the moments of truth and the moment of misery, the moment of mediocrity and the moment of magic and how to create yep. more moments of magic. If you guys want to know about that, you have to get the book. It's, yeah, and by the way, that's foundational in every book, every speech yes. that I do. That is that's your mantra. Foundational content right there. Yeah, that's it's like your mantra now. It's creating these magical moments. So, uh, in the interest of time, we're going to stop here, Chef, because I want to be able to have you back again. I know everyone's going to want to have you back. Hey, man, I'm coming back. That's the name of the book. I'll be <laughs> back. How can You'll you not back. come right. back? I'll have to follow up a few times to make sure you come back again and again. Uh, All right, it's been awesome. Uh, Thank you so much for taking time, carving out time and sharing this with the audience here. They, I know they appreciate it. And I know we're going to appreciate it, uh, you know, for, for many years to come. This is stuff that people can be referring to, not just next week, but next year and the year after that. So everyone, Jeff Pikin, thank you so much, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Tune in next week for the Not Your Average Joe Show with international business mentor, Joe Soto. 